Age to Practice, applying educational reading in the classroom. Join in the conversation using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. From Page to Practice is a podcast focusing on the application of educational reading in the classroom. Each episode features one book or article, my reflections and the thoughts of my guests on its use and impact in the classroom. Some episodes may also feature an introduction from the author. Hi and welcome back to From Page to Practice. It's a real pleasure to be starting this third series of the podcast. If you're joining for the first time today, there are just under 40 episodes already out there for you to listen to. For the start of this series, I ran a little poll on Twitter to pick which book to start with, and the result is that today we are talking about Zoe and Mark Enser's The CPD Curriculum. They kindly agreed to record a contribution for us, so we'll jump right in and listen to that now before we hear from some of those who have read the book. Hello, um, Zoe Enser here, and I am with my co-author of The CPD Curriculum, Creating the Conditions of Growth, and I'm really looking forward to just giving you a little overview um, of what's happening. So I'm here with Mark Enser. Hello. And um, we, we've just been asked really to talk about why we wrote the book and a little bit about what we hope people will take from it. So for me, really, it um, came out of um, perhaps a frustration that many people share that I'd spent quite a lot of time sitting in inset meetings um, and being involved in CPD. I was very keen on developing my teaching and seeing what I could do that would improve that and improve what was um, happening for the students. And actually, I I frequently found that those meetings, those sessions and all those hours I was putting in wasn't necessarily having the impact that I wanted it to have. It often felt that we kind of jumped from thing to thing. um, And this was over a number of schools. It wasn't just in in kind of one school, but but we would kind of jump around a little bit. And it didn't really necessarily feel it had much impact on my classroom. And and very rarely did we have time to properly embed it or probably explore the information that we had. So I was really excited at the opportunity I was given to then start leading on CPD because, um, first of all, I was thinking, well, this is going to be fantastic because perhaps my misconceptions around um, what CPD was happening and why it was happening um, would actually turn out there'd be a big reveal and and I would see actually, um, you know, what was going on that was leading into it. And I, I have to confess that I was a little bit disappointed that there wasn't a big reveal and there wasn't an idea behind it. And all of this kind of came at the same time as uh, there was a lot of focus on curriculum with the new Ofsted framework and people really delving into that for the first time. So that was also something I was excited by. So putting those two things together for me felt really important, taking this opportunity to really stop and reflect and think about what CPD was for, um, where it was having the most impact, where it wasn't having the most impact, um, and what we could learn from the research out there became kind of a real driver for me. So I spent quite a lot of time reading around it and thinking about it and exploring what other schools were doing in order to do that alongside thinking about curriculum. And so, so for us, it was really about putting those ideas together and seeing what we could do if we started thinking about teacher learning in a similar way to the way we were thinking about the student learning. And that really led to the structure of the book. 
So once we discuss the needs, why, why CPD is important, what it goes wrong, what we might want to do to fix it, we then focus on the CPD as a curriculum in the same way that we would in the school. So we begin by looking at the idea of curriculum intent CPD and thinking about what it is we want CPD to achieve and where you might find the kind of content of CPD curriculum, whether that's something like the Great Teaching Toolkit or looking at Rosenshine or behaviour policy, whatever it might be. How do you work out what it is that you actually need? What, what problem are you trying to address? What is CPD trying to do? So our first chapter, kind of main chapter, looks at the idea of curriculum intent for CPD. So the next chapter, and really kind of the beating heart of the book, is um, looking at curriculum uh, in terms of its implementation. So we think about it in terms of whole school implementation. So why does CPD go wrong when you put teachers in the hall and talk with them for an hour? You know, how can we make that better so the information sticks? How can we learn lessons from pedagogy uh, in terms of, of how we run our CPD sessions? We look at things like teaching and learning communities and using a cold experiential learning cycle to make sure that people are learning from their professional development. But we also look at it from a kind of department point of view and from the point of view of individuals. This isn't just a book for CPD leads planning CPD for the whole school. It's also for teachers who want to take charge of their own professional development. So we consider how people might approach that. And also, therefore, they can understand what is going to make it more successful for them. Um, the other aspect of that particular section of the book for me was, was the case studies and uh, hearing from a range of professionals out there about how they were doing things. So it really brought that to life and you could see exactly what it was that they were doing that was making a difference. Yeah, I think it was important to show that this that it's not as kind of theoretical. There were schools who were achieving this. And then the, the final chapter looks at impact and one of the real problems we have with CPD is very difficult to know if it's working is it doing what we want it to do and so we suggest some uh, ways of monitoring CPD and monitoring its impact and also looking at whether it's having an impact on professional development is it changing the way a person behaves in the classroom and the link between that and the performance management and can we have a link between CPD and performance management and we explore that and again we use case studies um, in there for people like this. Moyes talking about how, again, this can be done and how we can um, really lead to improvements in, in professional development. So that's kind of the structure of the book. So he's really is taking a sort of curriculum of CPD and uh, looking at it through that lens. I think the other thread that runs through it all is really this idea of culture and building that culture of development so that, again, you know, whether you are somebody who's leading teacher development or whether you are somebody who's interested in teacher development, um, whether you're working with smaller teams um, or just on your own as well. It's about the culture within your establishment that allows this kind of development and allows people that kind of trust and that openness and that honesty as well that will really allow you to interrogate what it is you're doing in the classroom. Um, I think it can be you know, very difficult sometimes to be as open as possible about some of the practices, uh, particularly if you, like me, are quite long in the tooth and we're doing it for a while. So having that kind of openness, having that opportunity to explore new ideas or just to make some slight adjustments to what you're doing, all of that's really good development. And having the right kind of um, environment for that to work was really important. For me, that the main things that I want people to take away from this then is, is really a, a fresh look 
at CPD and really thinking about, again, you know, what is it that's working out there? Perhaps what is it that hasn't worked that we need to maybe move away from? And uh, to reinvigorate this idea of CPD, um, I see, you know, lots and lots of negativity around the idea. Lots of people have had perhaps poor experiences in the past and they're understandably feeling a little deflated about the idea of, you know, going into schools and, and doing that kind of work. But um, actually, there's a lot to offer and there's a a lot of new development that's coming out. There's lots of new research around how actually being involved in development and feeling that your development is valued can make uh, for your role to uh, as a more satisfying one and allow you to be more satisfied in the classroom. And, And we want great teachers. You know, we want great teachers to grow, to develop. We want great teachers to stay in our profession and carry on the fantastic job they're doing. And uh, CPD is one of those drivers, uh, certainly from my perspective, that would allow us to do that. I think um, on research, that's one thing I'd really like people to take away from the book, is that there's a lot of people with a real interest in research informed teaching, which is brilliant, you know, a wonderful thing. But sometimes they ignore the research on teacher development. And I think the two need to go hand in hand. If you want to have a research informed profession, we have to have research-informed CPD in terms of the delivery of CPD as well as the content of the CPD. And that should be what our book offers in an incredibly well-structured and well-thought-out way. Well, um, that's all from us. So uh, hopefully people will have um, taken a few things away from here and uh, we're always keen to hear what people have thought about our book. So we look forward to listening in and um, maybe engaging on Twitter around that as well. So thanks for listening. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Thank you, Zoe and Mark. When I started From Page to Practice, I just thought it would be nice if every now and then we could hear from the author too. But thanks to the generosity of authors like yourselves, it's become a regular feature and almost every episode has been introduced by the author, which is amazing. Now, of course, the idea of the podcast is to look beyond what the author wrote on the page and hear from readers about how they've applied it to their own practice. Today, we're fortunate enough to have eight readers sharing their thoughts, and we're starting with Alistair. Hi there, my name is Alistair Hamill. I teach in a school in County Armagh in Northern Ireland uh, called Lurgan College. I'm head of geography there, which I absolutely love, but I'm also senior leader who's responsible for teaching and learning, which I absolutely love as well. It means that I get to spend a lot of my time thinking about pedagogy. I'm also very active on Twitter, and if you want to interact with me there, you'll find me at LC Geography. I first took on the role in senior leadership in 2008 and the title of my specific responsibility then was staff development. Um, It was a pretty generic title, wasn't it? Uh, At that stage, I had real interest and passion in the job for things like collaboration. Uh, I was always interested in reflective thought as a practitioner and I was very convinced of the vital importance of CPD in the development and and building of capacity of teachers. But at that stage, despite all that enthusiasm, I had very little expertise and I had even less support from external agencies. I was left really to try and figure out how to do this pretty much by myself, which was, of course, a whole process of trial and error. Now, the answers talk in page 56 of their book of uh, some work by David Kolb, who actually articulates very well how that process of informal learning happens. 
And it was great to read of that. Um, and it kind of helped me to look back over what I was doing and, and see the journey that I'd been on. Because at that stage, I was trying to reflect. I was pulling in lots of ideas, left, right and, and centre. And I was making lots and lots of mistakes. I was building up the experience over time. But where was the theory that was to go with that? Where was the theory that was going to help me to hone and heighten my reflection and make it more effective and, and efficient? And, and I just simply couldn't find it. So it took time for me to grow and develop. It took time. Now, it was a lot of fun. It was my journey. And like anybody's journey, I'm, I'm very happy that I went on it. I learned a lot from it and there's been a lot of fun through it. But it did take a lot of time. And I can't help but think, had I had access to a book like this earlier in my career in leading staff development and CPD, I wonder would that have helped me engage in Cole's reflective cycle just that little bit more efficiently? So what I want to say in terms of what I have got from this book, first and foremost, is it resonates a lot with my experience, I would have to say. Uh, yes, it's absolutely chock full of practical tips. I mean, I could pick half a dozen here and now and talk about them at length, but um, I would get to the end and think, ah, yeah, but what about this other half dozen? They're brilliant too. And what about the case studies? What about the way in which they've contextualized this into a whole bunch of different um, uh, schools to allow us to learn from that? I mean, the practical tips are oozing from it left, right and center. But for me, the big thing with the book is actually the big picture of the book. Uh, I, I must say that as I read it, I found that uh, the experience, like somebody was describing my experience and helping to explain it to me. Now, I have to say that I have had this experience in reading one of the answers other books on generative learning, uh, where I was reading what they were saying and thought, ah, yes, right. So this thing that I have almost stumbled towards, uh, here's the theoretical underpinning. This describes me. I recognize myself in it. And I suppose reading through this book um, on the CBD curriculum, it was a similar kind of experience. Now, I think why that can be important sometimes is that um, those of us who believe in the importance of CPD, at times we can get some kickback from teachers. And you can understand that. Look, teachers are insanely busy. And um, just give me the practical tips. Just tell me what I need to do in the classroom and let me go on and do it. And you can very much understand why there is that drive towards that pragmatism within teaching. And yet those of us that are responsible for leading CPD know that if we're going to bring about change, uh, we need to be planning more deeply. We need to be uh, planning more strategically uh, and we need to be investing in the kinds of programs that do get teachers to think and reflect a little bit more. Yes, the practical outcomes are there, but we need to start with the why. We need to understand why. And I think the way that the answers lay out the book and, and just give us this real sense of right from intent through to implementation and impact of this curriculum of how you can design something, which is the subtitle of the book says is creating the conditions for growth. So I would advise you to come at this from that broad picture. First of all, if you're a school leader and you're busy, just like teachers going to CPD, you might be running for that practical tip. Listen, they are there, but you'll get the most out of this book if you sit back and allow it to help you in that reflective cycle, to plan for this broad-based curriculum. That's the kind of thing that's going to be the catalyst for change within your school. So I'll just finish off by telling you how I'm planning on using this book next. In January this year, I took on a new role 
as teaching and learning lead in what we call in Northern Ireland area learning communities. These are networks of uh, secondary schools within geographic locations where we can collaborate together to help to deliver the curriculum and other aspects of, of our school lives. I took on this role of the teaching and learning lead, uh, working with other teaching and learning leads in the schools to try to collaborate together to help us to plan for our own CBD and so forth. Um, I am going to suggest that we take this book this next year and use it as our guide. We're going to go through it and look at different parts of it so that we can learn together as a group how we might plan better. Uh, and this is, uh, I hope, going to be a strategic investment into those teaching and learning leads in the other schools so that they will have the opportunity to marry their experience with the theory presented in this book so that we can together learn much more efficiently. So all in all, I would describe this book as a great partner on your journey. If you want your journey of learning as a teaching and learning lead, not just to be one of, of experience, but one where experience is informed by theory and strategy and practical ideas, then this book is the book that you want to be bringing with you. This is the book which will describe the journey that you should be going on to bring about the kind of change that you want to see in your schools. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Thank you, Alistair. It's been interesting to hear about your role and changing approach over time, as well as through the use of this book. One of the things I love about this podcast is the range of voices and experiences we get to hear, and yours was no exception. Next, here's Claire. Hi, my name is Claire McGrath, and my Twitter handle is Miss McGrath. A-H-T. I'm a newly appointed assistant head at St Mary's Catholic School, which is part of the St Francis of Assisi Catholic Academy Trust. I've been teaching for over 20 years and I've always had a passion for professional development. I completed my master's in 2014 and enjoy reading educational books to further develop my thinking and understanding of how to improve teaching and learning and how this will equate to improved outcomes for students. I really enjoyed the CPD curriculum book. As a geographer, my favourite part of the book was the case study that Alistair Hamill provided. The metaphor of the drainage basin with teachers represented by the tributaries all feeding into the main channel of the whole school. For me, this resonated that we are a collegial profession, all working towards the goal of giving students the very best educational provision. He then goes on to make the connection between a braided river and defined and defined by outer banks with a series of interweaving channels all flowing in the one direction. This made me think of our own CPD at school. We could set the parameters for our professional development, closely linked to our school development plan, but allow the staff the freedom to choose areas of interest. This would increase motivation and well-being and have a greater impact and on more on more sustained professional development. With this in mind, what I have done is I've created our own CPD curriculum map where I have created an intention statement based on three main areas. Whole school to ensure that we meet statutory requirements and whole school requirements. Departmental CPD to develop subject specific pedagogy. Um, Individual CPD, making sure that individuals are supported in their professional development at all stages of their career. How I implemented it is that I've mapped out across the inset time um, that we have calendared. Uh, In the whole school focus, I've created five focus groups for staff to choose, again, that are closely linked to our school development plan. 
Um, at the moment, we've got a bring your own devices, relationships, expert explanations, questioning and retrieval practice. I'm also going to canvas staff as to what they would like to see on the CPD curriculum to ensure that we're getting the full coverage. The book explored a number of ways to approach that professional development, so I'm going to use the practitioner inquiry whereby staff will identify an issue they want to explore based on the parameters of the focus group title. There will be a review of the literature, they'll collect some initial data, implement their new strategies for change, and that will come about through discussions with others who are within the group, collect some follow-up data and reflect on those outcomes, and then towards the end, all the groups will get together and share what there has been learned. My hope is that from this, we get a principles for um, expert explanations, the principles for building great relationships, the principles for developing um, questioning. In the department CPD curriculum, the student subject leaders are going to be given time over the academic year to develop subject-specific pedagogy outside of normal meeting times. They will create a plan of how they will use the time, what would be the desired impact, and how th and this will be discussed with their SLT links. Finally, I want to consider how we observe and capture the varying impacts. How will we capture change changes in teachers' behaviours and practices? Will there be some changes in staff policies? Will there be some improvements in wellbeing? And ultimately, how will it impact on pupil outcomes? So there's still some work to do. Thanks for listening. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Thank you, Claire, for this reflection and clear application of the book to your practice. Next, we have Daniel with his thoughts. Hello, my name's Daniel Langley. I'm a secondary school teacher in Buckinghamshire. And from this September, I'm also leading on CPD throughout the school. And so the CPD curriculum um, by Mark and Zoe Enzer was really well-timed because I think when I was appointed, uh, this book had, had quite literally just come out. So um, it's it's been a huge help so far, and I hope to just share a, a few points that have, you know, been really important to me so far and, 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 and how I, I think, I hope, <laughs> that it's set, set me off and what I'm doing on the right course. Um, so I think um, what struck me right at the start of the book is the way that Mark and Zoe dedicate the book to all those teachers, they say, who have sat in a hall at the end of a school day listening to some CPD, thinking there must be a better way. And straight away, that really resonated with me um, because I think, you know, in my career, and I'm sure most people have this in their careers, Actually, we've all sat there and thought that, or if we haven't thought exactly those thoughts, we've thought, how does this relate to me? Or, you know, is this a good use of my time? Or, you know, is this person just doing this because actually it's good for them um, to, to be putting it into a school? It's, it's not actually good for the school or the students. And in the first part, in the intent section, Mark and Zoe, this book, really sets out the intent for CPD, i.e. what is the purpose. And um, the book goes about it in lots of different ways. Um, they talk about why CPD often goes wrong, um, because it's often done just as a one-off. Themes don't reappear. It's not um, applicable to everybody who sat there listening to it. Um, it's often not picked up again. And 
therefore it's not highly valued. Um, but actually, it is really important because the book points to a number of studies and um, they, 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 the book also gives you these studies if you want to go away and look at the originals. Gives you the number of studies which show that the quality of teacher instruction and the quality of teacher is the single biggest determining factor towards student attainment. And, um, you know, that, that doesn't surprise me, but I also think that being retold those, those thoughts and ideas and those facts and those statements really help uh, to kind of think, actually, you know what, this CPD really is important because if everyone isn't developing all of the time, then are we really doing the best job for, for our students? So when I uh, started to lead CPD, uh, I actually quoted some of the intent section and I could sort of see staff in the audience nodding at me thinking, do you know what, yes, this is really important. And in my school, I'm lucky enough that, that, you know, we already have a really positive approach to CPD. But I think, and I think people felt these things before and they sort of knew it, but I don't think it hurts at all to just restate the purpose of why we do CPD. And so that's kind of what I took from the intent section. And I should just mention that this is the structure of the book. They kind of borrow from the Ofsted framework, intent, implementation and impact. And it's a good it's a good framework to follow because it's one that, you know, we've all been grappling with for the last couple of years. And we sort of understand what those three eyes mean. So it's quite easy to follow that along in terms of curriculum because we've been doing it on our own curriculums. And that's why, of course, this book chooses to to follow that structure. In terms of implementation, uh, that's how we're going to apply and actually do the CPD. Of course, the book suggests lots of different ways of doing this, but essentially, uh, at its heart, they're all trying to battle those, um, those problems with CPD, perhaps, those problems of the past that were set out in the intent section. So, for example, it suggests planning out CPD for the year, making sure that uh, different focuses of the school are returned to, making sure that staff have a choice about what CPD is going to be relevant for them, pointing out the differences between novices and experts and the idea that actually they're going to need different types of development, not everyone needs the same thing. And that if we lead by example as leaders in schools and we put place a high value on CPD by doing this, that will help to reinforce a positive culture uh, around CPD. And that's what I've done. So uh, I've worked uh, with the senior leadership team as a whole to plan out where um, our priorities are going to come back in throughout the year. So we've set out the stall, as it were, in September, just as we've now done with our students. And then we've planned, when are we going to come back round to those themes? And how are we going to know whether they've been successful? We've planned in dates where staff can share how well it's gone, where they can try to kind of capture just in a in a low stakes way. You know, we're not asking for reams of data or anything like that, but just in a low stakes way, even if it's just an anecdotal um, kind of sharing, how has this gone? You know, do you do you see a link between what you're doing for CPD and, and the outcomes on students or, or the a difference in your teaching practice in the classroom? So 
who knows whether that intent is going to be met, but I'm really, really hopeful. Um, as I launched um, about 50, I think we've got about 15 different CPD options for staff, um, different types of courses and MPQs and you know, different uh, courses in technology that people can do, um, different qualifications, or it might be research groups. Uh, it could be engaging with different types of literature. It might be networking uh, with other schools, all these different opportunities, which our school supports. Um, I think our staff have had a really, really positive reaction to that. And I think it will improve well-being because our staff are going to develop in the ways that they think is right for them and right for our students. So um, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really pleased that I read this book because it's given me a clearer idea of why we're doing it in this way. And once I've communicated to that staff, I think they understand that. And so we're all aligned and we've got a sense of all moving in the same direction. And I think this can only strengthen uh, our our focus on CPD and build a positive culture towards it. So I really, really, really recommend this book. And um, it's it's only short, so it won't take you that long. All right. Thanks a lot. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag Page Practice Podcast. Thank you, Daniel, for such a positive contribution, which shows how this book has had an impact on your practice. Before we hear from the next contribution, I just want to say what a pleasure it was to finally get to meet these next two guests face-to-face at Research Ed last weekend, when I attended their session about running a CPD book club. In fact, they even recorded this contribution whilst at the event. Regular listeners have probably worked out at this point I'm, of course, talking about Dave and Rhiannon. Hi, I'm Dave Tushingham and I'm a lead practitioner in a school in Bristol. Hi, my name's Rhiannon Rainbow and I'm school improvement lead for the Greenshaw Learning Trust in Maths. And today we're going to talk about the CPD curriculum, Creating Conditions for Growth by Zoe and Mark Enzer. Um, and this was a book that was, once it was released, it was an absolute must-buy for us um, with the work that we do um, and the CPD that we're involved with. And there's so much in this book to take away in terms of how we structure our CPD, but thinking more deeply about what it means to, to give and, and receive um, good quality CPD as well. A particular bit that stood out in the book for me was around the practitioner inquiry and the idea of, um, of the steps behind um, a, a good quality piece of CPD um, for participants to be identifying an issue they wish to explore, carrying out a literature review before collecting initial data, putting the change in place, collecting follow-up data and reflecting on the findings before sharing what's been learnt. Um, and, uh, and those steps were just really um, important for us as, as a checkpoint um, in the CPD that we offer um, and, and I just found it a, a really useful reminder whenever you're thinking about the CPD that either you're receiving or, or if you're somebody that offers CPD um, to be able to, um, to use those is going to really support the strength and depth of the, the quality that you offer. And I, I think it's the, the conversations uh, at have come such a long way in recent years, but I know there's still so much further we need to go. Because, um, you know, it's so often a case of where a CPD need is identified and then sometimes it's it, you sort of look at, oh, there's a course that satisfy that, sends the member of staff on the course, box is ticked, job done. 
rather than actually looking at, okay, a member of staff has gone on that course. What do we do with it now? What is the impact of it? What can they bring back to the school? What are the conversations? Where's the, I suppose a question from that is the, so what? It's the, so what question? You've gone on that course. What does that now mean? And, and where can we go with it? And, and I think one of the things about this, in, this book is it, will, it helps to give a language and a vocabulary to be able to articulate aspects of how we can improve curriculum and, and have a shared language to, to be able to make it better for our colleagues. And, and I think you're actually right, really, in that we've all been in those CPD sessions where, where we've maybe walked away and, and don't feel like we've got as much as we possibly could have. And this book really articulately challenges um, those sessions and, and what it looks like to have um, a quality CPD session. I really like the structure of this book because um, it offers lots of case studies um, as well. So it looks at um, different sort of aspects of, of the CPD um, in real examples. Um, and there's one case study in particular that talks about um, being research informed. And it just really sort of reassured us in some of the reading that we do that, um, that the quality of CPD comes behind uh, the research that you might that you might read. Yeah, I think that's the, the Becca Lynch case study. And it's just... It... It is so important that we're able to discuss and articulate and justify to ourselves as well as to the people we're delivering CPD to or who are experiencing CPD, why this message? Why are we discussing this? Why are we presenting this? Why are we, whatever the the activity or the lens or the focus is, that it is research informed rather than being sometimes a buzzword or a fad or something else that somebody else is doing that somebody's heard about and it's, oh, that sounds really interesting. Let's bring that into our school. Why? What's the justification for it? Is it research informed? And I also like the way that it talks about being research informed rather than because there's a subtle difference between that and sort of a research led approach because you're using the research to inform what you do rather than uh, lifting it directly and, and not considering the context that we're working in. I think you're absolutely right. Um, and, and one particular feature of the book that I really um, appreciated were the do's and the don'ts, because it very quickly helped me to, to, to sort of just reflect and think, well, with the CPD that we offer, um, what do we do? Um, do we do any of the things that we shouldn't be? And there were some things in there where maybe we could strengthen um, and, and maybe not do so much of some things and do some more of others. Um, but it really got us to think more about um, whether we were doing the right things um, for supporting staff to, uh, in their improvement, in their professional development. Um, and um, there's a particular chapter in the book um, on intent um, where, where it talks about the do's and don'ts, about how we should have a plan, consider big questions and look at our starting points. We should be selective um, and value what we're doing. And, and the building the right culture is fundamental to the, the success of the CPD we offer. We shouldn't be rushing or expecting overnight change. And that was really reassuring to think about um, the CPD that we're offering and maybe the frustrations we sometimes find when we've offered one or two sessions and, and staff aren't doing exactly what we've said um, perfectly. We shouldn't be expecting that overnight change or make assumptions either um, that everybody has that prior knowledge that when we're delivering the CPD, for example. We shouldn't try to cover everything. Um, and um, in this conversation um, that we're having, we, we've picked two or three key features of the book, but we recommend reading it because there's so much more in there um, that you can get. But we picked just two or three um, things to talk about. Um, and we shouldn't ignore the research, um, And but we should... Um, we sh 
we shouldn't ignore the research, sorry, but we shouldn't expect it to provide the silver bullets either. So just because we've read something and the research says that's how it is, it doesn't mean that, oh, we should be everybody doing this exactly that way every time. We need to um, make sure that we're considering it for the environment we're in and the students that we're teaching. So thank you very much for listening to us um, talk about the book. We've really enjoyed it, highly recommend it. And, um, and yeah, just uh, thank you for your time. Thank you ever so much. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Thanks once again, Dave and Rhiannon. I totally agree that the so what of CPD is really important. The why and the justification is certainly something we should consider more, and the differences between research-based, informed and led need to be understood. Time for our next contribution from another reader. It's Deepika. Hello, listeners. This is Deepika Narula. I am a chemistry teacher in a secondary school in Hertfordshire. I have been teaching around nearly 10 years, and uh, I would like to thank Page to Practice for giving me an opportunity to share my reflection with you on the book, The CPD Curriculum uh, by Zoe and Mark Enzer. If you would like to connect with me, I am on Twitter at Mrs. Dinarula. Now, while I was reading the CPD curriculum, I think Zoe and Mark have done a brilliant job in um, bringing the cognitive science to the CPD. They recommend that the cognitive science that we use while we are teaching our students could be applied to the CPD curriculum. And I completely agree with them. An expert teacher might have different needs than a novice teacher. An expert teacher will not need that much guidance and support in their uh, CPD, whereas a novice teacher would need a lot of support and guidance and structure uh, in their CPD. They also uh, talk about the split attention effect that we might have read about uh, while we are uh, teaching and planning our lessons. Similarly, if you are going on an inset or a training and if the slides are overloaded, that can cause a similar split attention effect in the teachers. What I really enjoyed in this book is the etymology. They have discussed the etymology of the word pedagogy. I've never come across a book in which etymology of pedagogy is discussed. So I, I was quite uh, excited about reading this because I couldn't understand this word when I uh, was training. So I'm just going to read this uh, short paragraph on page 62 from their book. The term pedagogy has its root in the Greek pados, meaning child, which is linked with agogos, which means leader. The term pedagogy was often given to the role of the slave who would look after and school the children and has evolved to pertain more broadly to the teaching profession and science of learning, which is us teachers. They also suggested the use of word andragogy, which is the teaching of adults and should be uh, and could be used when discussing staff CPD. The other thing I think that lies at the heart of this book is reflection and evaluation, which plays an important role in making teachers 
develop metacognitive skills or think metacognitively about their uh, CPD. And the last thing that I am going to discuss with you is how taking how can you take ownership of your own CPD? Now Zoe and Mark uh, suggested that reading books can help you take ownership of your CPD. And this is what I have experienced. I started reading educational books around 18 months ago. And I think by reading books, I felt that I have developed my teaching practice uh, in a different way that and that I haven't received in any of the inset or any training that my school has paid for me to go, uh, whether that is retrieval, whether that is metacognition, interleaving, uh, whole class feedback. I have read numerous books over the last 18 months and have developed my teaching practice. They also suggested that not leaving until just reading the books, take it further. And how I have taken my uh, learning from the books further is by joining some book clubs like Greenshaw Learning Trust's book club and Science in Practice book club. And by joining those book clubs, I have been connected with like-minded professionals. And uh, I think I have become more confident on Twitter and uh, I... I can have a professional dialogue or share my thoughts with um, professionals and teachers and book authors on Twitter. And uh, I think reading books have definitely shaped my teaching practice a lot more uh, than any training I have ever been on to. So I would highly recommend reading books and please, please, please read the CPD curriculum as well as it will give you confidence in taking charge of your continuous professional development. That is it from me, and I hope that you have enjoyed listening to me. Thank you, everyone. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Thank you, Topeka. And as the host of a podcast about applying educational reading to practice, I'm clearly very pleased that you feel reading is so beneficial to your practice and development. Next up, we're hearing from Gav. I'm Gav Palmer. I work as an assistant vice principal for teaching and learning in a large secondary school in East London. I'm a languages teacher by trade, uh, French and Spanish are my subjects. My Twitter handle is at Gav Palmer, P-A-1-M-E-R. So... As far as the CPD curriculum is concerned, I think all the chapters in the book have got have got their merits in terms of shaping thinking as far as whole school CPD is concerned. And that's obviously particularly relevant for myself in my role. What I enjoyed most about the book was its structure in adopting the intent, implementation and impact lines that Ofsted have um, as part of their inspection framework. I thought that was quite compelling. And I really liked the way that the, the work synthesizes research evidence and practice and then it supports it by case studies and practical strategies that you can take away. I think as a busy leader, it was refreshing to dive into a book that got to the point and left me with plenty to think about for the new academic year without taking me hours to read through. Um, and then also as a participant on the Charter College's C-LEAD course, 
I think it was really useful for me to walk away with a wealth of different research titles that I can then go away and explore to enhance my own understanding of effective CPD. Now, if I think about the impact that reading that over the summers had on my practice this year, um, and again, I'll be looking at it from the perspective of whole school CPD, given the role that I occupy, I think there are four key strategies, ideas that, that I left with and really thought about and have, have been looking to implement this year. Um, the first one being the need to always be explicit in the rationale um, when delivering any CPD and not just at the beginning of a launch, but then also revisiting when we pick up on a certain thread of CPD that we've started. Secondly, it's being aware of the deficit model. Third, giving departments autonomy to discuss how they can best fulfill whole school priorities and provide support to those leaders from the teaching and learning side of things. And then lastly, creating time for reflection. So if I take each of those individually, I'll flesh out a little bit how that's been applied into the approach that I've, we've started adopting this academic year. So in terms of the first one, um, the need to always be explicit in delivering any CPD. I think we already did it. However, it tended to be at the beginning of um, whole school initiatives for CPD. And what the book has really made clear to me is the importance that actually it doesn't matter at what stage you're picking up on a thread of teacher development that you've started, you should always start by revisiting the initial objectives, the rationale, where you're up to, so that staff never lose sight of that end point and also where they're up to and the reasons for it. So, for example, this year, when I think back to how the CPD started, we have been referencing whole school priorities and the whys consistently cascading down from whole school sessions to sessions in faculties to individual sessions in particular remits, for example, pastoral curriculum, teaching and learning. And I think that's had a real impact in cultivating a common sense of shared direction among the staff. Um, secondly, if I think about the deficit model, I think Certainly in the final stages of planning, it really made me think about the importance of speaking to facilitators to make sure that we weren't referring to things we didn't do or things we weren't as good at. Rather, we were looking at them as opportunities to develop areas where we haven't spent concerted amount of time previously. And in order to level up our teaching practice across various um, aspects of our pedagogy, we need to also make sure that we spend time on areas where we don't always allocate a sufficient amount of time to meaningfully develop them. So I think that was really powerful and something that we'll look to continue this year is avoiding the language of the deficit model. We're not very good at this, so we should do X. I think framing it in terms of we need to develop this aspect because we've not spent as much time on it or we need to develop this aspect for this reason coming out of evidence and research. That is much more meaningful rather than starting on a negative footing with this deficit approach. And I think my eyes were really open to that. 
Um, thirdly, coming back to this idea of giving the departments autonomy, I think that's been really powerful in terms of feeding into the planning for the start of this academic year, whereby we've had whole school input, but then creating regular opportunities to separate out into faculties and into departments to then be able to discuss the input that's been given and how that can best be applied or will manifest um, or be embedded effectively relative to each specific subject. And I think that's really, really important in terms of um, respecting that subject expertise. And in doing that with the CPD model, certainly I've noticed from the feedback that we've had that people have been much more um, complimentary of having that time that they value in their learning areas. And the byproduct of that is camaraderie among the teams actually improves because you're working alongside your peers and you've already got that shared interest in your subject. Um, so that has been something that I think will be a hallmark moving forward as well. And to that end, also supporting those heads of faculty, those heads of department in planning that subject specific CPD so that there's greater consistency and staff get an equal deal in terms of the quality, regardless of the learning area or the faculty in which they work. And I think that's something that's really powerful and that we're going to carry forward. And we've already done it two or three times this year, one with an oracy strategy um, that started, or a piece of training on oracy that started um, whole school and then was split into faculty work whereby there was discussion and real deep thinking about how to best promote oracy given the input that had been given earlier in the specific subjects. Um, and we've also done it by looking at gaps analyses and how to amend the curriculum in light of gaps analyses um, for class data. And I think the final point is just around creating that time for reflection and discussion. And I think there are two points that are really overlooked and we've certainly overlooked them in favour of doing. And I think what really um, stuck out to me is the importance of valuing time and giving time over for subject staff or staff of a particular remit. I already mentioned, for example, all the pastoral staff, um, all the teaching and learning staff to sit together and to discuss reports, research, input, issues they've got to solve or deal with and reflect upon what's gone well, what's not gone so well. But just to build time for that and to not always be focused on doing because actually that thinking as a group will underpin a lot of the doing and in most cases result in a more effective solution or means of moving forward than what one person alone could do. So we've built that time in already this academic year in the trainings that have taken place. And I think that time for reflection and discussion will be another hallmark that we take forward um, as the CPD um, evolves and uh, is implemented over the course of this academic year. Um, so there you go, four key takeaways there um, from what I think is a really sound book that is well worth reading. You're listening to From Page to Practice. 
Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. Thanks, Gav. It's great for me to have people from all subjects and age ranges on the podcast, of course, but I do enjoy getting to hear from fellow MFL teachers. And Gav has even presented at one of our Teach Me MFL Icons events, so thanks. Next up is Hailey. I wanted to speak about um, the CPD curriculum today, Creating Conditions for Growth by Zoe and Mark Enza, because I think it's an absolutely fantastic book. Um, and for me, I probably have a little bit of, of a different context from some of the other people who will be uh, contributing to the podcast, because I am no longer in the uh, classroom as, as a secondary school teacher. I left this summer after 15 fantastic years, and I actually work in, in ITE now. Um, I'm a senior lecturer at a university on a PGC secondary English course, and also work um, at Iris Connect, which um, creates CPD Um, opportunities for teachers. So my job essentially is all around CPD. Um, So obviously, as soon as this book comes out, I was very, very keen to to get a copy of it. And it didn't let me down. Um, There is so much in it that is relevant for my job. Um, What I really liked, um, unlike a lot of other CPD books that I've, I've read before, is that um, the really stresses this kind of socio-cultural approach to CPD um, with, with a massive emphasis on teacher identities. And that's something that I am really, really um, excited about and keen on because I, at the moment I'm about to go into my fourth year of my doctorate um, and I am focusing on teacher identities. So I think it's something that's really, really important um, in the way that it kind of shapes the way that teachers actually respond to, to the information that they might be given on their CPD sessions. Um, and it goes back to essentially, doesn't it? You know, what, what do teachers actually see their role as? Um, I think a lot of us go into this comp- uh, profession with, um, you know, this, this moral Um, reasoning, this moral ideology of wanting to make a difference to young people. Um, So often this has been tied to performance management targets and and exam results. And the book does kind of explicitly address that as well, which I thought was excellent. Um, I think COVID um, has been an interesting time for looking at teacher identities, especially because a lot of our identities are built uh, based around kind of being a collaborative profession. Um, and, you know, working with others, uh, very often discussing CPD with others and, and, you know, that collaboration element being particularly strong. Obviously, um, in the COVID-19 pandemic, that was quite difficult because um, we a lot of us were isolated, working at home. Um, so I think it's really interesting to think about this socio-cultural approach to CPD, um, you know, in the light of especially the last 18 months that we've had. And the the book talks about, you know, this knowledge in and knowledge of practice, Um, you know, making reference to essentially this idea of kind of having knowledge in practice of reading lots of theory and lots of books and blogs and journal papers, etc. But then having that knowledge that's also rooted in the actual day to day practice of teaching. Um, and, and there is this massive gap, and there always has been, hasn't there, between theory and practice. And I think part of um, the book does address that quite a lot um, and talks about, you know, how usual CPD models have kind of just been, you know, teachers sat in a hall listening to an element of theory 
um, and then and then going away and being expected after a really long uh, and quite quite tiring day sometimes to uh, just automatically embed that theory into their practice. And we know that you know with a, with the best will in the world that doesn't really happen in schools. Um, and what the um, book also did is introduce me to the ideas of, of Carl Fagan as well um, and how he talks about the professional and personal aspects of teaching and how they are very much intertwined. This whole idea of the, the socio-cultural approach runs all the way through the book, um, which is why, you know, it talks about co collaboration being key as well. Uh, because I'm in ITA, um, I... I've really thought about the way that I will be training the, fu uh, the future generation of teachers. And um, I have quite a few lectures coming up that I'm doing. And it was really interesting for me to, to revisit Kolb's experiential learning cycle and to read what Mark and Zoe were saying about how that relates to, to CPD. Um, you know, you would usually kind of read some theory and, and do something with it. Um, but what's so great about Kolb is that it encourages people to really refine their practice in the um, environment of their own context. Um, you know, because theory, etc., um, it isn't doesn't really come to life until we actually experience it. So the main thing I got from the book is, is really about me planning my CPD uh, for when I go into schools up and down the country, but also with my ITE students and really focusing on that, on that experiential learning cycle from Kolb again. One particular thing I was thinking of is that I have to deliver a lecture on behaviour management in a few weeks. Um, and I'm going to, you know, give them that input of theory that I would normally give them on teaching and learning. So we might look at, you know, Tom Bennett's running the room. Uh, we might look at Mark uh, Finnis' restorative practice, um, you know, and, and various other uh, theorists. And then we would really give students that time for active ex experimentation um, we might give them some time after the seminar to, to collaborate together, to plan um, how they might adopt it into their context next week. And then they can go away on their practice and, and actually have a go at experiencing the theory on their placement. Um, and obviously, as part of that, they will need their mentor to help them evaluate uh, and, and give them a chance to evaluate it properly and embed it you know, over a number of weeks. This isn't just something that can be, can be done overnight. I think that's sometimes what is missing with CPD. It's that, you know, expectation that we will automatically all just go and change our practice. And the book speaks about that really well. Um, and then, you know, something that also sometimes gets missed out um, is that opportunity to reflect. And I want to make sure that I absolutely give my students the chance to do that, to have those discussions about, you know, did it work? What was the impact? And sometimes, as the book so expertly says, um, you know, we spend far too long thinking about impact in terms of um, examination results. Um, there are other ways to measure impact as well. So I think it's really important for me to have this explicit conversation with my students and to, to give them a chance to, to think about the kinds of impact behaviour management might have, which is not just that quantitative um, data that they get at the end of the year on exams. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Thank you, Hailey. I really appreciate it when people who've been on as authors also contribute as readers, and Zoe has contributed as a reader in the past too. Finally, we are hearing from Isabel, another example of crossover between my projects as she's hosting MFL Chat tomorrow evening. 
Hi, my name is Isabel Jones. I'm, I am an associate assistant head teacher in charge of teaching and learning and CPD. Um, I'm also a teacher of French and Spanish and I have been for the past 27 years. So I'm quite an experienced teacher of French and Spanish. Um, I'm also a qualified translator interpreter. Um, um, I was the head of languages in two different schools for 17 years. Um, I'm a fellow of the Chartered College of Teaching. I'm also a proud, proud member of the Association for Language Learning. Uh, I'm also a member of their National Council. I deliver CPD and I enjoy discussing teaching and learning online, uh, especially on Twitter, where I am um, at ICP Jones. Okay, uh, my favourite part of the book was quite difficult to identify because I found there were so many useful parts um, in this book, particularly in the context of my new assistant head teacher's role. Uh, particularly enjoyed chapter two, which is all about the intent of CPD, and chapter four, uh, which is about departmental and individual uh, implementation. The intent chapter is all about mapping the roots and how uh, the different strands of CPD can be organised coherently. Also, um, it's also about um, how we can ensure that staff understand the intent of the CPD journey uh, and um, use the common sense of purpose to develop their motivation and hopefully their happiness too. Um, throughout the chapter, the approach is um, that is usually applied to um, or suggested is applied to uh, curriculum uh, design is used to highlight that this CPD journey really is a curriculum journey um, with its own uh, core uh, knowledge, uh, sequencing and assessment points. Um, the CPD curriculum should also be ambitious, which is something we talk a lot about uh, when we're talking about um, school curriculum. Uh, so it should have a challenging intent uh, and it should also rely on trust and honesty, which is something I found fascinating, um, particularly uh, in the context of um, high accountability. Um, chapter four is about departmental individual implementation. I really enjoyed it because I know many people often find the CPD they get too generic. Uh, the pointers provided in the chapters are very useful to keep things specific um, while explaining how you can also um, still be meeting school priorities. I found the case studies and the uh, do and don't uh, checklist at the end of the chapters um, very, very good because it really allowed me to reflect on my own CPD curriculum journey. So um, the book is evidence-informed but also very practical. Uh, it's really, um, I have been able to, um, it's really been useful for me to read it to shape my own um, CPD curriculum. Uh, it, it's helped me articulate my intent and also to make the link with the work we're doing on school curriculum. Uh, I'm in charge of teaching and learning and not curriculum, but reading the book and some of the references uh, really helped me strengthen the link between the two uh, and see really how my CBD curriculum is going to support our implemented and enacted um, curriculum. In terms of mapping the route, the book also helped me visualise what 
CPD curriculum, my CPD curriculum, um, could look like uh, with um, whole school, departmental and team development, as well as opportunities for individual development, uh, for ECT all the way to the very experienced teachers, so for the whole range of teachers. Um, the case studies also prompted me to assess our readiness for the CPD programs I was starting to shape um, in my head. I also checked all the do's and don'ts tips to make sure that I had not missed anything, so it was a real-time saver. Um, I like the fact the checklists are short and to the point. Um, and I've also found that the, um, the content of the book and the way it's clearly defined is, is really, really uh, time-saving too, because it's very easy to refer back to. Um, as regards my uh, organisation of whole school input, I found the diagram um, rep um, representing David Cobb's um, experiential learning cycle a very um, visual way and very effective way uh, to present my rationale. The book also provided practical and useful hints to develop departmental approaches to CPD that are going to be part of my school programme. Um, I found particularly helpful the suggestions about how to support the head of the heads of department to use uh, CPD time effectively, um, as well as ideas um, for departmental uh, department-based subject knowledge or pedagogical content knowledge session. I would really recommend this book to anybody in charge of CPD. Um, it's really uh, provided me many uh, useful points to reflect upon um, and I know I will be revisiting it regularly and sharing more ideas from it with my colleagues. Enjoy the book. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. So it would appear I lied when I said Isabel was our last reader. In fact, we are going to hear from Alex, who's a returning contributor to the podcast, and he really is our final reader contribution for today. Hi, everyone. It's great to be back here on such a brilliant podcast, especially when we're talking about a book that's had such a big influence on me in the last few months and my plan within school. My name is Alex Gordon. I'm an assistant principal for teaching and learning at a school in North East London, and I was appointed to that post at the end of the last academic year. Now, when I was appointed to that post, I had a lot of ideas in my head about what I wanted to do for teaching and learning within my school to develop and to continually improve the teachers we had. And the first thing I did actually was to purchase the book, um, the CPD curriculum. And it was brilliant because it tied together a lot of the thoughts I had in my head about the plans I had uh, into one coherent plan that I could then launch the staff at the start of this year. Initially, when I bought the book, my first kind of reflections actually was just the phrase CPD curriculum. I really liked using that phrase with staff um, at school because sometimes we associate just the word curriculum with students in the classroom and departments. In actual fact, having an interconnected CPD curriculum for staff is vitally important. And to be able to sell that to staff and to explain why it's called CPD curriculum uh, was really important. And without the book, that idea maybe wouldn't have been uh, so important to me when I launched our programme this year. I love the considerations in the book. I love how it delves deeply into the different aspects of CPD and the different opportunities you can present to your staff. Um, and our CPD plans have been massively influenced by my me reading the book. Um, now, in our school, we have five strands of CPD. 
Um, we've very much have gone down the line that there are some strands we expect all staff uh, to be part of in the school, but there's also some optional and developmental strands as well to retarget really teachers at different stages in their career. And we think the idea of choice and autonomy within CPD is really, really important as well. Now, in our school, we very much use a whole school framework for teaching and learning. Uh, and these are our pedagogical principles, which are driven by research. They're not prescriptive, so we don't expect to see all of the principles in every single lesson. But it gives um, staff a discussion point around what effective teaching and learning looks like. And this was put together by our Teaching and Learning Council last year. Uh, and it's being rolled out and embedded into the school this year as well. There's eight components within that. Um, and each half term... Um, those eight components have been brought down to six different areas. So within our school, there's each a half-termly focus, which uh, kind of is within all of our CPD structures and all of our CPD plans for that half-term. And that's something the book promotes quite heavily as well. For example, this half-term, our big focus within those principles is the first principle of retrieval and retention. So within all of our CPD plans this half-term, whether that's department meetings, line management discussions, heads of department meetings, or um, what we have, what we call a CPD expert panel, where we have members of staff in our school present five-minute CPD uh, tips to, to staff in our briefings and after school. That's all based around retrieval and retention. Um, next half term, we then go into purpose and sequencing, and so on and so on um, throughout the whole year. And the book is saying that heavily promotes this idea of a shared language amongst staff, and this is saying that we promote heavily in the school as well. Within the second strand and the third strand, they become a lot more optional. So the second strand is our middle leaders pathway, um, which we've uh, launched this year. The teacher and learning council, the subject leads meetings uh, as well. These are more optional pathways uh, and also sixth form teaching CPD for aspiring or new sixth form teachers. In the third strand, it's a lot of our external um, resources we buy into, whether that's a national college for CPD, the Charter uh, College of Teaching uh, as well. Uh, pixel and we really promote those ideas with staff throughout the year and how best they can use that information to impact their own teaching. The fourth strand is then the ECTs, the new framework for this year um, and within that kind of ECT uh, program and um, we're obviously using those mentors as the, the early vanguard really for a coaching program uh, which we're going to roll out next year as well. So we think the ECT program is really important and really vital for our continued growth for CPD. And the fifth strand is simply sharing Beck's best practice. And we have a number of mechanisms in the school to do that, whether that's a newsletter, notice boards, um, departmental praise or promotion as well. Um, and we really are keen to create a buzz around teaching learning and make it at the forefront of our teachers' thinking in our school as well. So we have that five-strand approach, which we continually promote to staff throughout the year. And the book was heavily influential in, in me putting together that approach uh, also. Now, alongside that, what we think is vitally important is that there is a recognition that as teachers in school, we all can get better. And that links heavily to Dylan William quote, which I'm sure you all have seen uh, before as well, that we have a duty potentially uh, to our students to always continue to improve as teachers. And that our school CPD programme needs to be mapped out uh, and linked heavily to that idea of improvement as well. Um, it doesn't matter what stage you are in your teaching career, we all need to get better. Um, and very much me and my role, and what I learned quite heavily from reading the book, is that um, we want to be a research-informed school, and we're on that drive at the moment to be a research-informed school. And I kind of see myself as a bridge, really, uh, in my job at the school, between the research and between how we make that as accessible to teachers as possible so it doesn't burden them or it doesn't become too much for them to understand, comprehend, 
and read because really time is at the forefront of our thinking as teachers. Um, and what we do half termally is that we release based upon our pedagogical principles focus, uh, a one or two page document, which is basically all of the research at the moment based around that one area. So the one this half term was retrieval and retention and also uh, filmed a small 10 minute video to really explain to teachers what the thinking is behind retrieval and some strategy to support as well. So uh, very much a lot of stuff we talk about in school when I'm trying to get this idea of language across the teachers, whether that's dual coding, split attention effects, these new terms that are in the research that teachers maybe aren't hugely aware of. Um, I like them to be discussion points, points where people can think a bit deeply about the research um, but alongside that, obviously, you have to be careful that um, the research doesn't maybe completely inform everything we do. And that alongside that, we are also using our teacher expertise and our own context to really adapt that research, those best bets to our own uh, position in the school and our own context for our school as well. And I think there's some really, really important discussions to be had around that in each school about the research and how that can improve teaching more widely, which in turn will improve student outcomes. And I think that's the biggest purpose um, for CPD and teaching learning within the school as well. I think the final point I'd add actually, and it's something that um, I thought really deeply about when I read the book, is about the purpose and the role of CPD within teaching learning. Um, I'm a big advocate that teaching learning is not just in the classroom. Uh, it's not just teaching in front of students. Teaching learning transcends and uh, permeates all aspects of school, whether that's behaviour, support staff, heads of year. Um, for example, if um, a teacher in a classroom, the teaching learning structures aren't set and there's no whole school routines, that will then impact behaviour, which might impact the time of heads of year, which might impact relationship with parents and relationship with students. So teaching learning really is linked heavily to all aspects of school. Um, it's not just in the classroom. And I found the idea of this interconnecting curriculum really important uh, to get that across to staff, that they've got a duty and a place in the school to not only care for their students or to teach their students, um, but also to, to support all teachers and all support staff from everything that happens on a daily basis in school. It's more than simply just the classroom. Some of the plans we've got in the future um, and the CPD curriculum book uh, mentioned this quite a lot of the suggestions really to help improve uh, teacher quality is more visits to other schools, uh, more buying to external resources and more access to online training as well throughout the year and sending staff to that training and getting them to report back whether through an evaluation form or through CPD about what they've learned and how that can help impact school um, also. And getting more external speakers, hopefully, into the school as well to, to share their expertise and give our teachers another voice uh, relating to the research and teaching and learning practice uh, around the mo um, and that's happening at the moment as well. So um, overall, the CPD curriculum book has massively um, influenced my thinking as I try to plan this coherent and interconnected CPD curriculum that supports all staff in our school. Um, and without reading that book, uh, I, I know that I wouldn't be at the point I am right now being really confident um, involved now and launching this program at the moment. So um, I've got really high praise for the book and I couldn't recommend it more uh, for not just teaching and learning leads to read, um, but all teachers to read as well. I think it's a vital addition to literature at the moment as well. If you want to read a bit more about our teach and learn approach or our CPD strands, um, if you just find me on my Twitter page, I wrote a blog about all of the uh, CPD programs we run in the school at the moment. Um, and if you find me on Twitter, please feel free to um, message me for any support or any questions maybe you have um, as well. So thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. 
Thank you to all those who've contributed today and made this a great first episode of Series 3. Coming up, we have the following episodes which need your voices. 26th of September, The Feedback Pendulum by Michael Charles. 10th of October, The Boy Question by Mark Roberts. 24th of October, Habits of Success by Harry Fletcher Wood. And on the 7th of November, The Chartered College of Teaching Impact Special. These episodes simply can't happen without the reader's voice. So that's it for Series 3, Episode 1. If you've enjoyed the podcast, I really appreciate you sharing it far and wide and posting positive reviews to help bring even more listeners. If you're feeling extra nice, then you can buy me a coffee using the link on my pinned tweet. Thanks, and see you in two weeks' time. You've been listening to From Page to Practice. Don't forget to join in the conversation using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. Alternatively, to suggest a book or article or volunteer to contribute to an episode, visit learninglinguist.co.uk forward slash pagepracticepodcast. Thanks go to Kevin McLeod of Incomtech.com for use of the tracks Cheery Monday and Fuzzball Parade, which are licensed under Creative Commons.